American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. If if he can still stay on that trend, I, I mean, this is just going to be something really special. You're now listening to the Wandering Buffalo podcast with your hosts, Andrew Chang and Justin Goddard. Hello and welcome to the Wandering Buffalo podcast, a show on the built-in Buffalo network. My name is Andrew Chang and alongside me as always is my co-host Justin Goddard. Today, Justin and I are going to wrap up the bye week blues and kind of focus on the offensive uh, superlatives. So, um... You know, obviously give out our awards and the progress report thus far in the season. And then tomorrow we're back on schedule as we're going to give our second game preview of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, But before that, as always, you can find us on most social media and podcasting platforms and even on YouTube by searching up The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. And in addition, you can also find other amazing content and shows by searching up the Built-in Buffalo Network. Justin, how are you doing today? Uh, I like the way you put it there with the the bye week blues. Um, I'm feeling good right now that we're we're back to having football this week. I know it was only a week off, but I don't know about you. It feels a hell of a lot longer for me. Mm-hmm. Glad to be back to a, a Sunday at one o'clock game. I'm I'm feeling good this week. How are you? I'm doing great, and I I just got back from volleyball. Did you we lose? Won- no, we've won our past three games, and we might, we might basically back into the playoffs. And I don't know why it got me thinking about this loss that the Bills recently took from the Tennessee Titans. And as I was, as we were going through the season, we were just taking L's and L's and L's, and it didn't feel good. But I knew eventually this team was going to start clicking, and that's how I kind of feel about this Bills team. This bye week was a blessing, right? I'm I'm glad it happened, and as weird as it sounds, like, all right, if we had to take a loss, I'd rather have it going into the bye week because this team needs to evolve, if you will, and there's no better way to evolve than taking a loss. And this team grows from losses we, we've seen in the past. Like, think about the Hale Murray. Stuff like that definitely impacts this team, and... Just in general, win or lose, this team is awesome. And we should be super proud as fans to have Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, Josh Allen, Jordan Poyer, Tredavious White. You, you name the whole bunch. I, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling I'm feeling really good about this this team right now. Yeah, I agree. I, when the schedule first came out, I didn't like the bye week this early in the season, uh, especially being – you know, the season is another game longer this year. I like having it later in the year so you can really fix some of those nagging injuries, um, things that don't always pop up on the injury report and whatnot, and just really get healthy for a playoff push. Um, But kind of where I feel like the team is right now is we made it to the bye week with a 4-2 and record, and I still can't, you know, despite having two shutouts in there, some blowout wins, I don't even think we've gotten close to seeing this team play its its best brand of football. 
I think, you know, the the defense was up one week, offense was down. Uh, special teams mistake one week, offense looked good. You know, whatever the combination was, I don't think we've seen this team play a full 60 minutes. And I think just kind of that week off to hit the reset button and, and really gel and work together with the film that they have from the previous games and looking forward, I think they come out of the bye week really strong. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, even the most pessimistic or, you know, worried or anxious Bills fans out there, I know for a fact that they looked at that NFL schedule and looked at the Chiefs game and was like, that's probably a loss. And looked at the Titans game and said, that's probably at best a 50-50. Well, we got one of those games. And if you're the most pessimistic Bills fan, you are already anticipating this kind of outcome into the bye week so you should be relatively happy (laughs) anyways let's talk about the good stuff here as we talk about the offensive bye week awards justin you came up with all these awards so i'll let you start off with that early season mvp award who do you have specifically before we get into it this is all offensive awards as last week we did defensive so if you're interested with that go back to last week's episode and check that one out so my early season MVP, um, my obvious first pick was Josh Allen. Um, but he had a little bit of a slow start, and, you know, now he's kind of coming back into form. But this is this is the Josh that we're expecting, and I'm going to let him save this award for when he wins the league MVP, so I'm not giving it to him here. Um, my pick for early season MVP and... There's a couple players here that I wanted to slot into a few spots. Um, But I gave it to my guy, Manny Sands, here. Um, He's really emerged as just a bona fide number two option opposite Diggs. Um, He can really win at all the levels of the field. And I'm looking at it through six games right now. He has 24 receptions, 413 yards, and four touchdowns. Like, you map that out over the course of the season, and I know it's not linear, but you're talking some bananas numbers if he if he can stay even close to that pace. So tip of the cap to Manny Sanders because I was a little bit nervous about that signing and losing John Brown, and he's really blowing me away so far. Yeah, so you kind of you kind of took my MVP award here, so uh, you're gonna have to give me a second as I stall for <laughs> my person. I think this team's clearly at its best when they have a competent number two out there. And we saw that drop off when John Brown wasn't available last year. And even when he was there, he clearly wasn't right and he wasn't healthy. So he was just a guy for the most part. And with Emmanuel Sanders, I was worried, like, you know, he's a little old. And in the first game, the continuity, it was just a little off or getting a little slow to get acclimated with Josh Allen and who who they were to build that chemistry up. Fast forward to today and it, it looks like it's firing that engine's firing on all cylinders. I love his football IQ, especially in like zone defenses. Like he's so smart that it takes him like half a second literally to go, Alright, they're playing man or zone. I'm just gonna sit right here and wait for my guy Josh to rocket this ball into my chest (laughs) um but i you know 
and he's a free agent in this offseason, so I hope we can keep him around for next year if he doesn't lose a step. But uh, I, I do agree with your choice at uh, Emmanuel Sanders being the MVP offensively for this team. Uh, so if I am going to be different and think outside the box, right. Man, you can go with the same choice if he's if he's earned it in your books. There ain't no shame in that. Give it. I am gonna give it to Josh, and the reason why I'm going to give it to Josh is because going into this season, everyone still didn't believe him. You know, they just didn't believe in him. Like, oh well, he didn't play in front of crowds. I I know that's a big theme with you know annoying people out there. Like, oh, even some fans of. of the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen says like, oh yeah, Josh is great, but he can't play in front of crowds. Like, can we put that narrative to best? Like to like rest now. He he did really good in front of the Chiefs. He did really good against the Titans. If even though we lost that game, if Josh Allen wasn't in either of those games, we definitely lose them. And he faced a little adversity in Week One and in Week Two. And the reason why I give him the MVP nod offensively is because of that face after the Miami Dolphins performance where he's just sitting at the sideline he's like you know he's got his hands inside of his uh uh pads and he's just kind of looking straight forward like I know I can be better I know I can do better and I will do better (laughs) and he destroyed the football team and you know I'll give him a pass on the whole um game against the Texans just because you know it, it was quite literally super wet out there so not a little bit of a neutral neutralizer in offense and we didn't have to throw the ball all over that team like we as soon as we got a lead I knew we were good and I don't know I, I just feel like to this point Allen's faced so much adversity and he's just proven all the naysayer wrongs and I don't want them to go away keep fueling my man Josh Allen yeah, and I, I don't think Josh Allen can be a wrong answer there. Mm-hmm. You know, Emmanuel Sanders looks great, but it, it, you can only go so far as the guy getting him the ball. Um, so I think, you know, like the NFL MVP, this is largely a quarterback award. So I want Manny Sanders there. Probably could have gone a different direction because, you know, he's not doing what he's doing without Josh getting him the ball. But Josh mm-hmm. is going to get that NFL MVP. So I'm giving this one to Manny still. Right. Let's move on to biggest surprise. For me, I'm going to go first here, hopefully steal something from you, maybe, maybe not, but I picked Spencer Brown. And I had high hopes for Spencer Brown, thinking that he would be really good, you know, eventually down the road, maybe replace Daryl Williams, and I just didn't expect him to be inserted to this offensive line real, like, this fast. Now, you ever see that meme with, uh, I think it's called Flex Tape? You know, you know, where the guy, he slaps the leak on the tub. He's like, oh, offensive line woes? Spencer Brown. Like, <laughs> that, I feel like that's what the Bills did by kicking Darrell Williams inside, who which, who was an all-pro tackle last year. You know, obviously he wasn't playing that great this year, but you can't 
ignore the fact that Darrell Williams was off a really good year. And Spencer Brown usurped him. And you could look at Cody Ford's performance as a reason why this move was necessary, but I expected Spencer Brown to perform way worse than he has. Now, he is a rookie. He's going through, you know, growing pains, and we saw him let up a pretty bad sack against uh, Bud Dupree, against the Titans. But I... I am really liking what I'm seeing from Spencer Brown. The tenacity, the effort, and moreover, this is the definition of hitting on a draft pick. You have a rookie third-round pick out there starting on your offensive line, and he's playing damn good football. Yeah, so I don't know. I won't speak for you here, but compared to last week doing the defensive awards versus the offensive awards, I struggled a lot more with the offense because I I kept finding myself wanting to slot several guys into several spots. Mm. Um, So Spencer Brown was one of the people I wanted to put here. Uh, He's been a great surprise that I've loved him since the minute we saw him smashing through a table right after he got drafted. That was Um, sick. I I have him getting an award down the road. Um, This is another spot I wanted to put Emmanuel Sanders and – that one's just mostly based on my bias. I I wasn't really expecting Sanders to come in and have the impact that he did. But I couldn't ignore my guy Dawson Knox here. You know, I expected a I expected a step forward from him, but what he's done so far this season, you know, even even the most firm Dawson Knox believers, I don't think would have predicted this. So I was looking at some of his numbers. Um, so last year he played in 12 games, put up 24 receptions, 288 yards, and three touchdowns. This year through six games, half the amount of times, or half the amount of games, he has 21 receptions, 286 yards, and five touchdowns. So I mean, for all intents and purposes, he he's already cleared the bar from what he did last year in half the games. Um, so I I really see him developing into that like legit tight end one you know maybe not in the kelsey elite tier but there's only like two of those guys that exist and i think part of what makes it such a big surprise for me is i have been a bills fan my entire life and never really saw a tight end that was a a true threat on the field so that like just adds another another piece to my surprise at the development he's had this year right I agree with you. Dawson Knox has been a golden goose egg, <laughs> right? He, he just hatched into this monster that we've always wanted and dreamed. And I recently heard, I can't say for certain what other content creator said this, so I apologize for not knowing, but they referenced the fact that the Bills are 32nd in the league in spending in the tight end room to get Dawson Knox performing at the level that he is right now and spending dead last in the NFL for that position group is the definition of value huge return on investments and if Dawson Knox can still stay on this track and move past this broken hand um, you know, maybe he'll just throw with his other hand, you know, 
Like you, you could you could do that. We've seen what he did with his other hand and that uh, two point conversion. Um, <laughs> but if if he can still stay on that trend, I I mean this is just going to be something really special. I I'm just so happy for the man and for this team that he's performing this well. So I agree with you, Dawson Knox. Huge surprise and. Like you said, if you're Dawson Knox stand out there and project or you know predicted this, I kind of have a hard time believing you because there's just so many haters out there on Dawson Knox, so it's hard to hear you. But I bet those haters are kind of being silent now. <laughs> Let's move on to the next award, and that's biggest disappointment. So for me, I'll go first here. I pick Cody Ford. At the start of the season, I really, really thought Cody Ford was going to have this breakout season. You know, he was hurt. They kept flipping him around. Start of the season, they said, hey, you know what? Stay on the right side. Get You're healthy now. You're next to Darrell Williams and Mitch Morris. You got veteran support, two above average players, one coming off an of all-pro season. And I cannot tell you why I felt like Cody Ford was going to have a breakout year for certain, but boy was I wrong. <laughs> I mean, Ike Bakker, Ryan Bates, I'm sure those guys come off the bench before my guy Cody Ford. Like, what a huge disappointment for the former second round pick. And I, I mean, yeah, just I I just had such high hopes for him. I thought he was going to be the right tackle. And then they moved him to the left guard. And they moved him to the right guard. And then he gets hurt. And then they keep him at the right guard. And then he gets benched. Not ideal. Yeah, Cody Ford was my first pick here. And then when I started thinking about it, it I know you had high hopes for him going into the season. And despite how much I might have convinced myself that I had those same hopes when I look at it, I, I never really did, you know, when he's bouncing around like that, it, it, it's more to me that he couldn't hold down a spot. So I guess I didn't want to pick him as my biggest disappointment because I didn't, I didn't have the same set of expectations going into the year. Um, he was, he was more at a point with me where if he made something of his career, it was going to be a surprise to me and, and a welcome surprise, but I kind of felt like the book was getting getting pretty close to written on him. Yeah. So my pick for my disappointment is John Feliciano. Um, so we see him oh, in the God. offs. Yeah. It's weird. It's like that's a weak spot on our team. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, so in the offseason, you know, we see him shedding some weight and, you know, doing that so he can be more mobile on, on like, pulling plays and in the run game and a little bit more agile in pass protection. And to me, it just seems like he's kind of the weak link on the line right now. And I don't know if it's because he dropped some of that weight. Um, but to me, it still looks like he gets bullied in passing situations far too often. And then in the run game, which used to be kind of like his calling card, it mm -hmm. seems to me like he's not really as effective as he was last year and right. 
despite how I felt about him last year, I still thought he was one of the better run blockers on our team. And and now I, out of the five we have, I don't even feel like I can say that. Um, so I think he's kind of like a serviceable starter if if the pieces around him are performing well enough, but that's easily one of the first places I'm looking to upgrade this team in the off season, which is unfortunate. It's kind of like the, the Spencer Long situation where we just extended him and, and I feel like we should already be looking for the next answer there. Yeah. John Feliciano. He's interesting, right? Big fan favorite. Josh Allen favorite. He's got that grit that you need on the offensive line. And it's just not there offensively for him as it was. Well, I I feel like he's taken a step back from last year. Not to say that he was much better last year, but I feel like he's taken a half a step back, and consequently, we've seen a drop-off in the offense. And I don't know if that's really fair to put that all on his shoulders, but it always feels like on the offensive line, there's always one guy going by that Josh Allen that has to dodge, right? And for me, I feel like it's us- it's because John Feliciano is letting someone by, and I could be wrong, and I could be a little harsh here. But to echo what you sa- said earlier, I just feel like that's an area that needs to be improved, and it's very easy to point to John Feliciano and go like, you need to be improved. So hard hard to argue against that. (laughs) All right, that wraps it up for half of our awards. We're going to take a quick break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to wrap up the offensive bye week awards here, and we're going to start with the most improved. Now, I, I have a feeling you pick someone here and I'm going to go outside of the box just a little bit here and I'm going to say Mitch Morris you know I'm only going to go outside of the box just a little bit but remember last year when Mitch Morris was benched against the Cardinals after he had those you know long concussions the offseason you were you weren't really sure if he was going to stick around uh, they restructured him, but he was. There was also talks that he was going to be a cap casualty. Uh, again, the number of amount, uh, the numerous amount of documented concussions was a big red flag, and I was like, "Oh, are they going to just tell him to like go somewhere else, or maybe he should retire?" But at, to this point, I really feel like Mitch Morris has played really consistent on that offensive line. He's communicating the most between all the other he's the link in the chain basically with the other offensive linemen and helps protect Josh Allen calls out the blitzers and we saw a huge improvement when he first came to Buffalo and I'm not so sure that the Bills have the same level of success if Mitch Morse takes a step back and like I said to this point he's been playing really 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 good and some of the stuff that he does 
is intangible. As I just mentioned, like the communication and the rapport with the offensive line. So for, for me, I'm going Mitch Morse. Really good football thus far through six games, and I'm really excited to see what he can do down the stretch. I think Mitch Morse is a sneaky good answer there. Um, tip of the hat to you. I, I think he's kind of one of those like polarizing players that a lot of people have negative things to say about him. I think he's been at least an above-average center since he came to Buffalo. And when I'm looking at a player like that and I see how much struggles we've had with the guard play, I just kind of wonder, you know, how much different it would look if you didn't have Mitch Morse calling out those protections and kind of being a safety valve on either side for them. I mean, I've seen plays this season where he kind of, like, blocks off to the left and, like, covers that gap and then somebody's sneaking through the other gap and he just pivots real quick and cleans that up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think center is a very hard position to evaluate, especially when you're just kind of watching a casual game. But I do think he's having a good season. I think I know the guy that you thought I was going to say here. Um, for me, it almost has to be Dawson Knox. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the sake of you know changing up the conversation a little bit here, I don't want to give too many people multiple awards. Um, so I gave my tip of the cap here to Devin Singletary and Zach Moss and kind of the run game as a whole. Mm. And to me, it's not to say that we have some run game that puts fears into fear into other teams at this point. Uh, I don't think you're ever going to see us pivot to, you know, 25, 30 carries a game for 180 yards. Um, but what I have seen from this, from them this year, um, is just kind of that little bit of a threat that's enough to keep the defense honest and have some production when they're called upon. And, you know, it might be a 50, 60 yard game, but they're doing it on 10, 11, 12 carries. And that's kind of what this offense needs to complement the passing game. Just kind of enough from the running backs that, you know, you can't drop everybody in coverage and anticipate a pass play every play. Um, just enough to make the linebackers hesitate a little bit and kind of work that underneath in middle of the field. Um, so this award kind of felt strange for me to give because I don't, I don't think the running game, like I said, is going to you know scare anybody, make them game plan for it. Um, but from where we were last year to this year, and just that little bit of a step forward and that little extra consistency to make teams at least respect the run game, I think through the course of the season will really benefit the offense. Yeah, it's hard to argue against you, and I'm not going to repeat everything you said there, but this rushing offense has gotten significantly better, in my opinion, than last year. I felt like the only time that when the Bills would rush the ball is when we were trying to close out games, when it was super obvious. We're seeing a noticeable uptick in Brian Dable's play calling to run the football. And sometimes when we probably shouldn't, but he still does. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But 
one thing that I did notice about this group, and I heard this from the Shout podcast with Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot, uh, and they had Jeremiah Searles on there. Actually, a really, really good episode. Definitely check that out if you haven't. But I, I think Jeremiah said specifically, you know, they're just this isn't a you know a running back committee by choice. He's suggesting that the job has just been dangling. The RB1 job has just been dangling in front of them to for a while and they're just the Bills are just asking which one of you two is going to take it. And at this point, none of them have taken it. So I think they do complement to uh, complement each other and they have been playing much better this year as opposed to last year. But there's definitely still room for improvement with this group, and I, I'm waiting for one one of the two to separate themselves from the other. So I'm I'm eager to see what that looks like. Yeah, I I think they I think they really want it to be Singletary too, mm-hmm. um, but I think it might end up being Moss. I I feel like he's not super flashy in the passing game and mm-hmm. and in the open field, but I feel like he's he's developing some reliability and some consistency in the pass blocking and the receiving game. Yeah, it's too early. Yeah, definitely. It's too early to tell. And uh, speaking of which, that's the name of our next award here. Um, So I'm going to go first. I have three, four people here. I got Gabe Davis, Cole Beasley, McKenzie, Kumaro. I think we all expected that this season the Bills we're going to use this super deep wide receiver room to its full potential. But we've seen a lot more assignment-driven game planning down the road and less than and less like four or five wide receiver sets than we were last year. Now, if this was last year, I could see them trotting those guys out and the production for them like going through the roof. But we haven't seen that. And Consequently, we've seen a drop-off of the production for those aforementioned wide receivers. However, I think down the stretch, we're going to see some magic from these guys, especially when the playoff game, playoffs kind of come around. I knocked on wood because, you know, nothing's for granted and nothing's, you know, given, but, I, you know, I, I want us to get there. I, I don't know. I'm just thinking about the, all those jet sweep plays that – McKenzie's famous for. We haven't seen a lot of that this year. Cole Beasley, sometimes he's doing really good. Sometimes he's not really targeted. You know, Gabe Davis, he he's someone who could step up now with the Dawson Knox injury. And then there's Jake Kumaro. Well, he's there for special teams, yes, but I haven't seen him out there really in, in terms of re- receiving the ball except for that really far out pass on the second to last drive against the Titans game, which was not good, by the way. Really, really bad, in my opinion. But I'm excited to see what this group of receivers does down the stretch. It's too soon to tell. Yeah, so this is the original vein that I started going down, and my original pick was Gabe Davis. Um, But kind of everything you just said, I think is kind of a byproduct of the Bills having kind of more of a prototypical, I want to say, NFL roster where you have that 
set in stone, wide receiver one, wide receiver two. And where I think we saw a lot of the McKenzie getting involved last year in the Gabe Davis and Cole Beasley's numbers last year were, were largely because he became pretty much the number two receiver, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of a byproduct of having you have Diggs, Sanders, you have Dawson Knox emerging and becoming a more legitimate tight end that you're just not seeing the the opportunities for some of these guys and while it's going to appear you know to the naked eye as a as a down year for you know Beasley after he sets career numbers um I think it ultimately leads to a more effective offense that yeah he's still there if you need him to make a play but you're looking for those those top two options first and and they're getting their numbers um I do agree with you that that down the stretch of the season, you know, you always hope for for everybody's health throughout the whole course of the season, but all these players get nicked up along the way. And for me, these players are just, they're, they're almost a luxury that if, if somebody goes down, a lot of these guys would be number two, number three receivers on most teams. And we've been talking about this back to training camp. You know, we're, we're super intrigued by, you know, receiver battles for the six, seven spot because we know how productive these guys can be. Um, I just feel like they're not seeing the field because of what's in front of them. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens down the stretch. I definitely think McKenzie's going to get more involved in some of the jet sweeps, and and we'll see more of Gabe Davis. He's he's been a pretty pretty non-factor thus far. Yeah, my too early. Yeah, my too early to tell guy is is my guy Spencer Brown. Mm. And I've really liked what I've seen from him so far. And I think he's had uh, a lot of highs. And and we've seen, you know, he's having fun out there. How many times do you see the running back four, five, six yards down the field and he comes in and just bulls the pile another couple yards? I think he's had a lot of great moments. And then we've definitely seen some of the some of the rookie learning curve moments. And in my heart of hearts, I really do believe that he's got what it takes and that the Bills have have found a gem in the third round that can be, you know, a cornerstone right tackle playing opposite Deion Dawkins. Um, But all that being said, I am basing this off of, what are we talking now, three, four games that he's started so far. Um, So... While he's looked really good to me and definitely looks like he has the potential. Three games? Yeah, three. Yeah, I think it's three. It's it's too early for me to crown him in, in that spot, and hmm. I have every belief in him that he's going to do it, and I surely hope he does. Yeah, and I think that's that's fair, right? I'm my, you know, maybe my head's up in the clouds, but that's why you're there, Justin. You're 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 here to keep me grounded. And that that's that's what makes you a great co-host. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the last uh, award here, and that's any potential trade targets now that the trade deadline's coming. Uh, you know, I mean, this is obvious, right? Interior offensive line. That's that's what happens, right? We we have a damn near complete team. There's not a lot of areas where this team could improve except for the interior offensive line. And if you do bring in a, in a guy, 
uh, who I know what's his name from the Jags, Andrew Norwell. That that name's been floating around like, oh yeah, maybe you can get him. You, you could, but you have to do some, you know, contract and cap gymnastics, I believe, in order to bring him on this team. Uh, but you know, in just in general, like this is a good problem to have. We only have one spot that we can say definitively needs improvement. I don't know. Not not bad. Not bad in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would go right the same route as you as and the interior offensive line. Um, the problem I run into there is this isn't really a problem that's unique to the Bills. Um, the, there's teams across the whole NFL struggling to have you know top notch guard play. Mm-hmm. If you have one, you usually don't have two, and it's kind of you know making up the difference. Um, so so the spot we're in right now, I just don't see realistic targets of anybody that would be an instant upgrade to any of the mm-hmm. players we have. I, I could see a move where maybe we bring in somebody for some, some depth and see what they have as they practice and whatnot. Um, but I feel like this is a position that they would have addressed throughout the draft free agency, the whole off season. If, if they thought there was an upgrade option out there, I, th- I feel like they would have sniffed it out by now. Um, so, so my, my move for the offense, um, going into the trade deadline is keep status quo. And, you know, if you feel like Feliciano is your weak link on the offensive line, you you figure out ways to get him a little extra help. And, you know, there's not many teams in the, in the NFL that have a starting five offensive line that are just top notch all across the board. Um, so for me, it's kind of you know, covering up the deficiency there and, and finding ways to, to work through that and just kind of letting this team keep gelling. I don't think we've seen our best offensive performance yet and just kind of let people, everybody keep getting on the same page and really developing together. Right, right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. Go ahead, like, comment, subscribe, and review our podcast as well as other amazing shows that you can find on the Built-In Buffalo Network. We're always looking for amazing guests to join our show, so if you have any opinions or just want to be part of the show or just have anything you want to share, feel free to reach out to us. Um, You can always find us on most social media and podcasting platforms by searching up The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. Catch up with us tomorrow as we're going to go into the game preview uh, with our second matchup against the Miami Dolphins. This time it's going to be a spooky showdown in uh, Orchard Park Sunday at 1 p.m. That's 1 p.m. And if you didn't hear it again, it's 1 p.m. <laughs> Justin, where can the people find you? You can find me on any social media at jgods22. And uh, you can find me right back here tomorrow. Absolutely, and you can find me here tomorrow or on my social media accounts by searching up 2Changs. That's going to do it for us today. Catch you tomorrow. Go Bills. Go Bills.